Hey, everybody. Welcome to the NFL Road Show. Lindsay Rhodes here with a special guest today that I know you guys are all familiar with, NFL Network insider Ian Rappaport, who might have the one NFL media job that I have absolutely no interest in doing. Just the hardest, most time-consuming, always-on kind of job. He is in on every bit of breaking NFL news. The person NFL Network turns to when there's breaking news and says, find a camera, fast, (laughs) get on TV. He's tweeted 147.6 thousand times. (laughs) He has 2.7 million followers and I would imagine very little downtime. So I am thrilled that he has made some time to have this conversation with me about his job, what it is like, and how he got there. So let's jump in and break the huddle. So Ian, I was just thinking, we've probably talked like this in a split screen type of setting a million times, but I don't think we've ever had a chance to sit down and really talk. Every time we've ever been in the same space, like Super Bowl owners meeting, stuff like that, there's tons of stuff going on and a lot of moving parts. So I'm really excited to get a chance to pick your brain a little bit, get to know you a little bit better, and ask you some of the questions, some of the many questions that I have about the very specific job that you do in the NFL media landscape. It's so different than every other sports media job in in just a ton of ways, um, one of which is sheer ground covered, right? Like you were sort of responsible for knowing about every single player for every single team in the NFL, which is a really wide net. And I have tons of questions about how it is that you keep up with that. Like, first of all, do you sleep? Um, great to be with you, by the way. And yeah, I mean, we've, we've, we've done the split screen a lot. Usually it's right. like, all right, Lindsay's question is going to be 15 seconds. Ian's <laughs> answer is going to be 45 seconds. Get out because then we got to get to the desk and then they got to debate something. And yes. Someone's it's yelling at you like rap, right. rap, 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 and not right. saying and your like, name, 20, but like with I'm a 20 W. Seconds, yeah. I'm 20 seconds into my answer. How could you be rapping me already? Yeah. You've talked too long. This is much more relaxed. Yeah. My God. I know. Exactly. Um, <laughs> so, yes, this is much better. This is much more relaxed. Thank you very much for having me. Um, it is a somewhat weird life that I lead. Um, yeah. It is, it is a lot. And, you know, it was interesting. I was talking to a buddy of mine who's about to become a sort of national reporter, different from the job that I have, but, um, you know, sort of has to cover a lot of ground. And I was thinking back, like, it probably took me four years to be able to get to a point where if anything happened, I could track it down. Like, forget about even breaking news. Like just getting to a point where you knew what was happening for legit years to be you able mean to like say like building the contact base where you had the yeah. people that you could always call to get it right away or. Yeah. I mean, building the contact base and like, cause remember when I started as the insider for NFL network, I was on the road for two years for Thursday night football, which was, you know, crazy, but it was also great because, um, every Thursday I was. You could walk around up and down two sidelines, meet everyone before the game, you know, have lunch with a GM or a coach or, uh, you know, or whatever. I mean, it was just, and that was just laying the groundwork. And so like, I sort of thought at the time, like, all right, cool. Like I'm meeting all these people, like I'm going to get all this info. But instead of the end, that was really the start. 
And that was two years of that. Then it was another two years to build those relationships and just get to a point where when something was happening, somebody would respond. Right. You know, so it was really like four solid years just to get on almost kind of level ground. And then maybe two more years to get to a point where like, you know, things before they happen. So it is a really strange job. Um, when you're talking about this time frame, are you talking about this is two to four years from the time you started working at NFL Network? Because you'd worked in the NFL space prior to this, covering the Patriots. Yeah, yeah but when you know when you cover the Patriots, it's different. But, you know, obviously you get to know Patriots people, but you don't real. First of all, a lot of the people in the building you don't really get to know. Right. You know, like John Robinson and Jason Light. Um, there were a couple others, uh, Monty Asifort, you know, were some of the Patriots staffers who all worked in the building when I was there and I didn't get to know any of them when they were there because it just sound That's like that building works the way it is. Like I'd see John Robinson out getting coffee when we were both on the road for a game and I'd like nod at him and he'd nod back at me just like, let's acknowledge that we're both in this place, but I wouldn't talk to him. Because I knew that it just wasn't kind of how the Patriots roll, you know? So covering the Patriots was great and fine. Like I was doing fine on Patriots info, um, but it didn't necessarily help as far as covering the league. So I basically had to not start from scratch, but almost start from scratch at NFL Network. And then, yeah, I mean, two years on the road for Thursday football, two more years just to get kind of my footing. And it was it was a build. It really was. So that's obviously a huge part of your job is just building up a contact base, right? So that you can then reach out to people to confirm things when it happened or get it before, you know, um, anybody else so that you're not in a position to confirm it. Um, how how do you go about building those relationships? Because I always found like that was a really weird part of being a reporter for me and my personality type because there's a give and take but I always wanted to feel like I didn't want to feel like it was obvious that I was like using the person you know and so in terms of but you can't develop like legit relationships with all of these people so I'm wondering how that works in your world right I mean well first of all I try to be very transparent like in life and in reporting like I don't have a lot of secrets so when I am Try. Let's say I'm calling someone who I have a decent relationship with, like average, not great relationship with, right? Mm-hmm. I will be very upfront and be like, I heard this. Here's what I'm after. I'd like to report this. Can you tell me if this is true, yes or no, or if not, like where I could get or who I should talk to? Like I try to be really upfront. Just cut you know, to with the, the chase. Just, but also like put it out there just mm-hmm. so they know like, you know, because sometimes someone will respond and they're like, oh, I didn't know you were going to report that. I never want that to happen. Right. I want it to be like, I'm telling you this to report and you're not going to use my name, but this is to report. Like, I don't want there to be any like, oh, I didn't know you were going to do that. Like, no, cut out all the, cut out all the middle stuff, cut out all, out all the uncertainty and just like put it out there. Um, but I found a couple of things when it comes to like people who, you know, you really have close relationship with. One is that, you know, sometimes people want you to break stuff, like whether it's their news or someone else's news or whatever, like they'll tell you something to break it because you're their guy. And some people are my guys and some people have other insiders or other reporters and that goes to them. 
Um, but some people want you to break it. The other times, you know, the other thing is like sometimes you can sort of provide some info for them or give them help in some way that makes them say, all right, you have given me this info. I will now give you a little bit info for yourself and everyone can kind of help each other. Because the reality is like everyone kind of has jobs to do. And if we all are sort of like trying to make sure it all works for everyone, like there's enough there where everyone can sort of leave happy. So it is, you know, it does really depend on kind of who you're talking to. Um, but anyway, for me, like I like to be really, really, really transparent with kind of what I'm after. What does your process look like? So day in the life of Ian Rappaport, you're tracking down that day's NFL news and keeping up. What does it look like in terms of reading and contacting people and stuff like that? Well, I would say like from basically from like the morning, like when I wake up in the morning, I'm on my phone and making sure nothing happened, making sure I didn't get any text messages overnight that like, hey, this new, you know, because that happens too. Like I had one where it was right before free agency started. I got a voice memo, you know, where like, yeah, it's a text, but then it's a voice and then it disappears so after a certain period it. of time. Right. Right. So I listened to it at like five in the morning and I'm like, oh, God, and I listened to it again. And then I was pretty sure I had the team right, but it was five in the morning. And then I'm pretty sure I had the numbers right because I wrote them down, but it was five in the morning. And, but and so it ended up being fine. But like sometimes you get voice memos at five in the morning. Do they send voice memos so that there isn't a paper trail? Some people do. Yeah. Ah, that's smart. Okay. And I don't know that it makes any difference. Like anyone who, you know, if if you don't trust someone enough where you're going to grab the right. phone, like, you know, does, does having a voice memo or a couple unanswered texts mean you did it or you didn't do it? Like, I don't, I don't know that it matters. But um, to basically, if they're I'll talking up, shit, it does. It does, but. <laughs> Usually that comes in a phone conversation. Okay. Rather than text But anyway, so I'll wake up, I'll check the phone, and I'll have some stuff that I kind of know is gonna happen this day, like this player's visiting, this player's injured, this guy's getting a second opinion, and I'll kind of make a little list for myself and go through it. Um, and then I'll have other people that I just regularly check in with like once every day, once every two days see what's going on. What are you hearing? What's happening? And sometimes there's nothing, you know, during Is it the same people every day. Um, depends on what the situation is. Like, got it. There's a quarterback battle. If there's an injury, if there's a, this coach might get fired or not. If there's Julio's a, agent, Julio's agent, <laughs> you know, those kinds of things you end up, you end up checking on a lot. Cause like, that's sort of part of the problem with you know, this time of year and everything is like, you just never know when something could happen. So I gave up a long time ago not wanting to be annoying. Like, I am annoying. Like, it's just part of my job because you check in on things when there's nothing to check in on because you just you just never know. Mm -hmm. So do you keep your notifications on at night? You said you check your phone in the morning. Um, during free agency, I will, um, I will keep my ringer on. And I've had it happen before where I missed a text. Like there was a really, really, really big story during free agency that I did not break because a person texted me instead of calling me. And I had the mistake of not having my not having their text messages on ring. I had it on text alert. So now I've rectified that. But like 
you know, I leave it on during free agency, but otherwise, like, you know, if it if there's something that could happen overnight, then I will leave it on. And you know, Leah, my lovely wife, will she sleeps through it anyway? I think she's so used to it now; she doesn't care. So, like, if I leave the rigor on, she knows it's probably going to be worth it too. She has like a white noise machine by her side of the bed. I think she just naturally. I think she just naturally has a white noise in her braids. So like if I'm <laughs> on the computer or talking to someone, she's like, yeah, I don't hear, I don't hear, I don't hear. How many phones do you have? Uh, I only have one. Uh, I have a fundamental belief that anything more than one phone is ridiculous. And not <laughs> saying anything about anyone else who has multi-phones. And I'm not even talking about reporters. Like I played golf this morning. I played with someone who has two phones. And I guess I get it, but like to me, that seems crazy. You only have two pockets. I mean, you have multiple pockets. We only have two real pockets. So like, you're gonna put both your phones in one pocket, or like every pocket you have has a phone in it. And then it's like, I have AirPods now, which are great. I can text when I'm on the phone. I can text to my computer. So how many phones okay. does one person need? Like, I could be on the phone through my AirPods, texting on the phone, texting on the computer, like. That's a lot of places to text. You just well, because that would be the argument for two phones for someone like you, right? Is that you could have a conversation on one phone and be tweeting the information while you're still on the right. phone. Which I'll just put them on speaker phones are so good now. I'll just put them on speaker. I just I don't ever want a situation. But then the guy behind I, you in the line at Starbucks could also break this news, Ian Rappaport. I, I do get nervous. Believe me, I get nervous about having these kind of conversations in front of people. Yeah, um, which is why, like, I'm. You know, with all due respect to everyone in LA, like I'm so glad I'm not in an office. Not that yeah. I wouldn't trust people, but like I don't want other people hearing like sensitive conversations or like I don't know. Like it's just all so it's yeah. just me and my me and my basement, which you see here, which is where all the all the sensitive information gets shared without fear of anything. Totally. Well, you know how to filter it, right? So right, right, and like most people don't know or understand or have any semblance of frame of reference for how news gets to me mm -hmm. and they probably and they probably never will uh which is fine it's just nobody needs to hear that process you know what i mean how do you balance all of this because it feels very time consuming to be in the space that you're in i mean there are obviously certain hours of the day that are a bit like you know that you're going to be on specific shows and things like that but this is a constant process of news gathering it's not like okay it's five o'clock and the show's over and i'm off until the next morning you right. are constantly on so i'm wondering are there times when you put away the phone? Are there bound? Like, how did you get to a point where you created some boundaries so that you could be healthy within your family, but also very good at this job? Yeah. I mean, that's a good question. Like I've worked very hard at that part of it um, because what you find, and if, you know, if you're someone on Twitter, you find out you can get like addicted to it where you just constantly scrolling because you just never know. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, when I, what I try to do is like when I'm sitting at a table with the boys and Leah for like breakfast or dinner or whatever, my phone doesn't go away, but it goes next to me, you know, not looking at it. Um, and I'll respond to what I need to respond to, you know, like when, like what, what happened kind of early on in my relationship with, with Leah and like when the, you know, especially when the boys were born too, is like somebody would call who's like a good source and we'd just be kind of chit-chatting. And she'd be like, do you have to have that conversation now? Or can you have that conversation when we're not all as a family? It's like, you know what? And what I've 
also found is that sources are understanding that you have a family. So I'll be like, hey, look, like I got baseball practice for another 20 minutes. Can I call you in 25 minutes? And they will say, that is fine. Um, so just being more willing to be like, this is not an urgent call. Or I'll be like, total call back. Is this urgent? Or can I call you back in however it is? People are pretty understanding. The other thing is, like, I will never forget, you know, we're sitting on the couch at like 9.05 p.m., three or four years ago. And I'm scrolling through Twitter. And Leah's like, what are you looking at? I'm like, I'm just looking. She's like, at what? I'm like, I'm just looking through Twitter. She's like, why? I'm like, well, I want to see if there's any news. She's like, if you have to find news from looking at Twitter, you've already been beat. So then what's the point? And mm. I was like, it's actually a very good point. Like, it really is. Like, unless I'm breaking it, like, if I'm finding out on Twitter, I'm, I've lost. Right. So, but to a degree, there are sometimes things that people say on Twitter that jog it, right? Like you can see something yeah. and go, Oh, I know the, I've got a question that might get to that, or something right. happened at practice today. And I know the person that I can go to to get that information. Right. Her point would be probably not at nine o'clock at night. So, like, that actually helps during the day. Like, you see yeah. someone's like, So, you know, something happened at practice. And you're like, Okay, this I got to check into. Um, so what I try to do is when we're watching a show or just hanging on the couch, I just put my phone next to me. So that's like, you know, dinner tables and watching a show. I would just put my phone to the side. If there's a phone call that I have to take, you know, because of that, she knows it's important. And she'll never, will almost never say, why do you have to take this phone call? Like, I, I cannot remember the last time it happened where she said, why do you have to be on the phone? Because she knows that if I'm taking it, it's important. So it feels like you've kind of figured out a nice, healthy balance. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how healthy my job is in general, um, but I've been doing it nine years. I still really, really like it. I don't want to leave it. It never really feels like I'm working when I'm doing it. And when stuff happens when I'm off or on vacation or chasing stuff down when I'm not working or whatever it is, like, it never feels forced. It never feels like I don't want to do it. So like I, you know, I feel like I could do this job for a while, which considering how all consuming it is, like that makes me feel pretty good that I've gotten to a point personally and professionally, but like at least I can kind of deal. What comes after that? Once you've done this job and you get to a point where you realize like this is too much at this point in my life or whatever, right. then like what's the next step? I have no idea. Um, I didn't even think about this stuff. Right. You know, that's what was crazy. It was like, I was a newspaper reporter being, I was very happy and I was thinking maybe I'll be a columnist in Boston or something. And I thought that would have been a great life. Um, and then NFL number came and it all kind of happened and it's still really strange. Um, so I never even wanted to do this. Just kind of was there. Um, I, I don't know. Uh, I think about it sometimes though. Um, host of some sort, like, I don't know. Um, I don't know. I mean, it's not like, you know, I like football a lot. It's not like I'd want to be a reporter on another sport. I mean, golf, yeah. maybe golf, that would be kind of fun. Some sort of features golf reporter or something. Or like, I don't Do you know. like a Trey Wingo thing where you just like switch, not that Trey's out of, you know, football, but it feels like he's just like diving into the whole PGA thing, which I'm sure is really fun if for it, him. Yeah. I mean, if that was worth it, something like that, I don't know. Yeah. Hosted Today Show in like 10 years. I have no idea. Be kind of well, fun. 
if we're talking about scaling back, I don't know that host of the Today Show would be. No. You know the one. It's also like this has become very exhausting. So I'm going to go take the biggest job in television. Oh yeah, but is that the biggest job in television? No, it feels like financially, it feels like it's up there. Now, that would would be nice. Now it feels like the host of Jeopardy is the biggest, at least the biggest one that's open. I don't think I could do that job. It's so. Although if they give me all the answers, I don't think you could do that job. I could probably do that job. They gave Trebek all the answers. I feel like they give me all the answers. I could probably do. I mean, it it does feel. It's funny because I have a, a friend who works for Jeopardy. And so we talk every once in a while, you know, just about like this process. And it's it's funny to hear her feedback about how the guest hosting stuff is going. And it's so interesting to me that it would be a hard thing. Like, because it seems like it wouldn't be that complicated if you have done live hosting in any capacity. It's not right? that complicated. Like, it's also not live. But oh, you know, well, that's why I think it doesn't seem like it would be I mean, that complicated. What, what I don't understand is like people treat it and like I'm not a big Jeopardy guy, and I don't think I'm. I don't even think I'm being insulting. I'm just saying like it's not like you have to know all the answers before, like the contestants no. come. Like they tell you the answers, you just have to sound like you have to pronounce them correctly. <laughs> you have to pronounce them correctly, which again is not that hard. I'm sure they do them phonetically, like. That people think this is this like upper crust TV job is hilarious to me. It's the same as anything else. It's just like the questions are a little bit harder, but it doesn't matter because you know the answers anyway. Right. I don't know. I feel like well, you have to have the certain amount to... of you have to have the right amount of gravitas, right? Like right. because that's kind of what Alex brought to which it, again is clearly like, why it's still I would not fun, be the but also why you're what? That's why clearly why I would not be the person for it. Oh, stop um, it. Uh, you know, gravitas is not my thing, but that's really what it is. Is you have to sound like some sort of upper crust smart person without actually being that. Like, I don't know. I think this is all crazy, but people seem to people seem to like it. So what do I know? It's yeah. Well, it's it's been fun watching the whole guest hosting thing and like who does better than other people and Rogers did well. Opinions. Yeah, I thought Rogers did great. I thought Rogers would do great though because it's so outside the hosting box. Like you could kind of see some people almost trying to mimic Alex Trebek. That's not going to work. But we're also at a place where you want it to feel familiar. You want it to feel like Jeopardy and not like this completely different show. So you almost have to kind of find like a nice middle ground since he's not a television host. It felt like he was set up to succeed in that way where we all know he's not lacking in the confidence department. So he's going to come out there. He's going to have some swagger and confidence. He has enough respect for the show that it's going to feel familiar but yeah. also entirely different and his own thing because he's never done anything remotely like this before. Anyway, that's yeah, it's take. like no, I I I I agree with some of that. And like, it's like when someone's trying to do a great cover song, it's like if they're trying to be that person, it just ruins it. Like, right. the best way to do it is just to do the song in your own way, and but just use kind of the same words because if you try to mimic, like, you just come off as like a B list version of whatever song you're doing. So that's why Rogers has been pretty good. I was pretty good. I think because he wasn't trying to mimic anything. He was just being himself, but in the same form. Going back to you sitting on your couch with your wife at nine o'clock, trying not to scroll through Twitter aimlessly. Um, what shows are you watching? What type of content do you like to consume when you want to get away from football? Uh, okay. What shows do we watch? We watch good doctor. Which is okay. Great. We we still unlike a lot of people in the world, we still watch network TV. You're network. Um, you're the network guy. No, okay. We do. We we DVR. So we we will binge, streaming style, but it's still a network TV. So we watch Good Doctor. We watch Prodigal Son. 
We have watched, don't make fun of me for this. We've watched Grey's Anatomy for the last 15 seasons. It you started still watch Grey's Rhea, Anatomy? It's still good. Like, I mean, I don't know if people still watch it, but like, and I guess it's the last season, so obviously not. Is but like, it? we started, we, it is. We started watching when Leah and my relationship like first got started. So she wanted to watch and like, we had just started a relationship. I'm not going to say no, like this is too whatever. <laughs> so we watched and like, it's, it's actually really, really good. Um, so we will, I will be a rare person who watches Grey's Anatomy all the way through. And, and I'm not sorry for it because it is an excellent show. How many um, people are still on that show from the cast? Like, I feel like I kind of checked out a few years ago once they killed off all the main characters, except for Meredith. Uh, right. There's still a few. Um, Three or four, okay. not a lot. But some of the characters who have, and Jackson is leaving the show or has left oh, the yeah, show that's already. Right. Um, Avery? Yep. Um, he follows me on Twitter. Uh, he's a great actor. Um, but anyway, that we watched that. And then we'll watch other like streaming stuff. Like we watched uh, The Chess Show on Netflix or. The Chess Show? You know, uh, what's it called? Queen's Gambit. Oh, okay. Got it. Yes. Yeah, which was great. Um, we watched um, On the British Royalty. Oh, uh, The the Crown. We watched The Crown. That yes. is good. I love me good. some A little the crown. slow, but, but oh, I, I feel like I, I feel like I know them now. Like, I'm, I, I know yes. they're like, oh, this is fiction, like, whatever. I'm like, yeah, yeah, whatever. Like, clearly this is all true and I know everything about you guys. So that's the kind of stuff, you know, she, and what, and she, she will sometimes watch like the first episode of a show to screen it for me. Like, all right, we're going to like this. We'll watch this. <laughs> I listened to the Dax Shepard interview, the armchair expert with Prince Harry. And they talked to him about the crown. And I was like, this is such a funny conversation because you could tell that, um, Monica, who is Dax's co-host, that she felt very much like she knew everything about it because of watching the crown yes, it but feels it's funny, very real which is totally how i feel right but i it, as a fly on the wall listening to the conversation i was like this is so uncomfortable because like she's she feels like she knows his family from watching a television show portrayal right. of it he didn't want to talk about it very much do you watch other sports uh i watch a lot of baseball yeah, yeah i watch okay. i would say i watch mets games almost every night uh what i'll do is like watch a show and then i'll have the mets game on on the ipad like next to me kind of glancing at it so I know what's going on. Um, um, and I will do... Check's phone for breaking news. Check's phone. Never know what it could be. Um, not Julio. Just, not Aaron. Not, no, it's Pelissero texting me, actually. Um, Tell him to go away. I don't, seriously. I'm, clearly, I'm busy, Tom. Um, so I'll watch, I'll watch Mets games every night. And, you know, it's actually kind of annoying because there's only so much time you can dedicate to sports. And so, like, when yeah. I'm talking... You know, I have two small boys, and they do a lot of sports themselves. And, like, on a Saturday afternoon, like, I'm not sitting in front of the TV. Like, we're doing, we're grilling, or we're hanging out, or we're watching sports. Like, so a lot of the stuff that I grew up watching, college basketball, college football, I love college football. I work every Saturday afternoon, basically from, like, 1 p.m. to, like, 10 p.m. on a Saturday. I'm working. So, yep. like, I can almost not watch college football. And this all sucks. Because, like, then people will try to talk to me about what's happening, and I come off uninformed only because, like, I'm literally working. Yeah. So I don't watch this as is, much sports as I want, but I do watch Mets games. That, that happened to me several years ago, I feel like, because um, it used to be 
in all of the sports, right? Cover like I work for right. Fox Sports West and I would do all the different sports and so I was into all of it. And I kind of like whatever sport I'm like cover it used to be whatever I was covering at the time, whatever was in season, that's my favorite sport because I get really into like knowing information. That's the type of fan I am. I want to know all of it, right? right? I don't just graze. Right. I'm not a good grazer. So but once I started covering the NFL, like you, I was doing shows on Saturdays, games are happening. I'm like, what matters to me is that my show is good. Like, this is where my focus is. So I just couldn't focus as much. And then I didn't know as much. And then I was less interested because I didn't know as much. So I found it really hard to fit sports in. And then there was also yeah. this, this sense of like, this is what I did all day long was I talked about sports. So when I get home, I kind of want to do anything but that. I don't want to sit home, sit down and watch a Laker game. That's not my version of unwinding for some reason because I kind of still feel like I'm working yeah. when I do that. See, see, what's weird for me is I don't have – whatever that is, I don't have that. So like when I first started covering Mississippi State, I moved to Starkville, Mississippi. I worked for the Jackson paper, and I love sports. I would say I love the job more, but I love sports. Um, and people were always like, like friends would be like, you're going to hate it because all people are going to want to do is talk about Mississippi State football all day long. And you're just going to be inundated and you're going to be like, I can never get out of this. Like people want stuff talking about football. It's terrible. And that definitely happened. And I didn't mind it at all. Yeah. Um, and so like people now still will be like, oh, I'm sorry to talk about work. But what do you think about the Giants? Or like, let me tell you this crazy fantasy thing that happened. And I really don't mind it. Like, it seems different to me. I'm yeah. ne like, I might want to relax a little bit and go like play golf or have a drink or whatever. But it's almost never for me, let me get away from sports because for me, like there's the job here mm -hmm. where I like focus on breaking news. And then by the time I sit down and watch sports, usually like it's kind of relaxing. Like I like watching sports. It's it, it just, I don't know. It feels different for me than the job that I do. Like when people say like, oh, you get to watch sports all, all day long. I'm like, yeah, that's like not the job at all. A hundred percent. That's not the job. Well, for me, I feel like I like what you're describing. I enjoy those. I enjoy conversations about the thing I know about. What I, what I don't like doing is like if I haven't watched a lot of college football, just from a time standpoint. Yeah. Then I'm like, it, it's hard for me to just drop in and feel invested in it. Yeah, so, I would agree. So I have found, and I also don't like having the conversations about stuff. And like, if I don't know anything about it, I don't. Oh, I don't. I, I agree. Don't, I don't like feeling like I'm set up to fail. So if we want to talk about football, like you know, people at my kids' little league game or whatever, um, all, all day long because I love the content, and so I like that type of thing. But it's just the ex. Outside the NFL, it, I found that I have less space for it. Though more and more now that my son is playing sports. So now that he's playing baseball, sitting and watching a baseball game. How old is he? Finding, he's seven. So, um, so I'm finding that fun. You know, we're finally kind of entering that phase where, That's, where we can do it is, together. That is so fun. And like, I don't know what your seven-year-old is like, but my seven-year-old has a lot of questions about yeah. literally everything. And so all we do is talk about like all the different things that he wants to know about sports and, and every, I mean, he watches like nature shows and like watch some like incredible documentary on like kangaroos in Australia or whatever. Like he watches that stuff too. Um, but mostly he wants to know about sports, which is great. You know, it is, it's really fun. And you have answers. 
for him. It's fun to and share something that you yes. feel passionately about. The one thing that I am coming to terms with, though, is that um, like my competitive nature and the fact that I do know a lot about the thing that he's doing is like trying not to bombard him with it, you know? So like yeah. he's, so he's on an all-star team right now and that, you know, so he's got a bunch of good players around him and it kind of feels like it's changed the vibe from a competitive standpoint. Like the regular baseball season was fun and, uh, and now it's like, you sort of feel like you can see people judging and placing them being like, oh, where is he going to play? And it's a weird vibe for being a youth sport parent and trying to yeah. find that happy medium. I'm like, this is what people talk about, you know, like, because you want your kid to succeed. Um, yeah. But, and you feel like you have tools that can help them, but you also just want to back off. And ugh. so anyway, I'm trying to find the happy medium there. Yeah. I mean, I try to, I'm a very, I'm very hands-on parent, but when it comes to sports, I'm pretty hands-off. One, because they have coaches. So I like yeah. to let the coaches do their actual job, fill the role. Um, I don't know. I just they have they have enough like to worry about anyway. You know, they don't need me being like, you know, keep your bat up or you know whatever it is. Like they just. I like. I like. If you see watch. that the bat should be up, it's so hard. It, I uh, love that it's not hard for you. It's hard for me. I mean, it's just, and I don't even know what the right way is because maybe I should be like, you know, get your foot back or, you know, get your glove ready, whatever <laughs> it is. Maybe I should. I have no idea, but I just, I don't want to. I'd rather just hang out and watch and hopefully they do well, you know? So are you talk competitive? About it are you competitive about your job? Like when very it comes much. to the breaking news and stuff like that, very much? Like more so than anything else. Yeah. Like to competitive. You know, to a point where, and people always like, you know, agents or, t or GMs will sort of make fun of me. They'd be like, there's literally two people who care who broke what story. I'm like, I know, but I'm one of them. So, and you know, that's, but that's what we do. You try to win, you know, but I, I've been better recently about like not losing my mind over it, mm -hmm. especially if it's something like, you know, someone texts one person and then the other person right after, like how many people actually care about that? Right. Um, but again, I'm one of them. So I would say that, I'm pretty. That is a funny thing too, because, uh, you know, in, in our world, there's a lot of who had it first or crediting the person who had it first and that kind of like drama or whatever that can feel like the person who's consuming it really doesn't care, even if the person who broke it is getting credited with it. But it all starts to feel a little petty, but it's also very important when you're working really hard to be the first. Yeah. And especially when you think, right, right. And that's like, you know, and you know, like that's something where over the past couple of years, I've been much more rational. Like I try not to lose my mind about any of that stuff now. Because the reality is like, I, oh, I used to, especially, yeah, like just getting started. Because every, every, you know, I wanted to break every single little story, every little thing I wanted to break. Um, and what you find out is, you know, sometimes when you find out info, you don't need to break it right away. You can kind of nurture it and massage it and kind of hold it and then you end up getting bigger news when you're just getting started you don't know that you just want to break everything you can then you want everyone to credit you for every single thing and when they don't you lose your mind you know well when you're building your brand too it's important like yeah. you want to feel seen you want to feel oh, like you're yeah. you know notice what i'm doing over here else i won't get where i want to go right and then you know hopefully i'm at the point now where like i don't need a claw for that 
Um, and I feel it feels much better because now, like, I can say this honestly, I really don't care who credits me. Like, I really don't. Because if I did, like, it just takes too much energy, just too frustrating because you're never that happy. Mm-hmm. Oh, this person credited me. Like, that makes me feel good. It really doesn't. Like, it just, I don't know. Do the best you can, break as much news as you can. Sometimes it breaks your way, sometimes it doesn't. But, like, I don't know. In the end, I mean, even the biggest breaking news, like, it lasts like a couple TV segments and then you're going on to the next. I mean, seriously, like, that's what's, especially during those heavy times, like, it goes too fast, you know? Is there a story that you have broken that has felt most rewarding to you for one reason or another? Um, yeah, I mean, I would say, um, I would say that, uh, you know, when, when I first started at NFL Network, I kind of got the sense, you know, probably eight or nine months in that they wanted to make me our insider. And they brought me to, they told me like in November, like, you know, for back then we called it Black Monday, like for Black Monday, you know, we haven't broken one in a while. Like we'd like you to break one. We'd like to sort of try you out in this role. Um, and so that's like all I focused on for like, you know, two months. And I ended up breaking Lovey Smith getting fired by the Bears. Um, and it's weird to sort of like celebrate the breaking of someone firing, especially Lovey Smith was like a great person. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was definitely like a big moment for me because it kind of showed me and I think the newsroom that like I can compete on this level. So that was one that's always meaningful to me because it was like the first like really big one, you know? Um, and I mean, there's been some other ones that have been fun, like, you know, having Gronk going to the Bucks was kind of fun. Um, How did that play know, out? Uh, in six minutes. I literally six minutes. It was, you know, kind of late in, I think it was late March, right? So I don't, no, was it draft week? I think it was, I don't know. I can't remember what it was. I think it was April. And I'm talking to someone about some draft stuff. And he goes, hey, you're on this Gronk stuff, right? Like, what do you mean? Like, you know, the Gronk stuff. What do you mean? To the Bucks? I'm like, what? He goes, dude, you got to make some calls. I'm like, tell me everything. He's like, you got to make some calls. And that was it. And so six minutes later, I reported that Gronk was asking the Patriots to trade him to the Bucks. You know, they wanted to unretire and wanted to go to the Bucks. And it was like the fastest any story has ever come together. What, what do you tell people? who talk to you because I'm sure you're hit up all the time by young people either looking to get into journalism or, you know, are in more early stages and want to transition into something that it is that you do now. What is there, is there like, are there a couple of points that you find yourself going back to in terms of your advice for them? Yeah. I mean, so a couple of things I tell them is one, make sure you like the job more than you like sports. Mm -hmm. Um, I think people, they think working in sports is going to be like either one, like you're going to be hanging out in a bar with like Tom Brady or something like that's not what working in sports is. You don't hang out in bars with Tom Brady. Uh, I most certainly do not. I'm not against it. I just, I'm going to hang out with some people. If he is, I'm open to it. Um, two 40 year old awkward dudes hanging out in bars. Like I don't think anybody needs to see that. Um, just call Tom Brady awkward. I think he would, I think he would acknowledge that. Um, <laughs> but like, that's not, that's not what this job is. So if people want to, if they like sports, 
they should get a job where they can then buy tickets and go to sporting events. This is not really about this. this is the job is awesome, but it's mm-hmm. not about watching sports. Um, the other thing is be willing to move. Like I moved to Mississippi. Yes. I've been moved to Alabama, Boston, Dallas. I moved a lot of places. Go somewhere weird, figure it out. Like that's the best. Um, be well, willing the to go move. somewhere then, weird too is that's actually an important part. I think people try to skip it, yeah. but like that's where you get the experience. Like everything, everything's about reps, right? So I try and yeah. that's that's one of the big things I talk to people about. I'm like, don't de- devalue the money as much as you can afford to in the beginning. That's not the priority. The priority is where are you going to go to get the most experience and the best experience that's going to get and, you better faster. Yeah, and screw up a lot and yes. figure it out and then screw up some more. And just like I was always so jealous of all these young reporters who had big beats when they were like 23 years old, like covering you know the Orioles for the Baltimore Sun at 23. Reality is I'm not sure that helps anyone. You don't know enough. You don't know how to do the yeah. job. I mean, you're young and you think you're awesome. You think you're a great writer, but nobody's that good at 23. Unless yeah. you're like Wright Thompson or something, you know? Um, Set up so, to fail. Yeah, go somewhere weird. Take bad jobs. Figure it out. Make sure you like it. And, yeah. Awesome. Well, I really appreciate your time, Ian. Thank you so much for this. You're crushing it. I look forward to your Today Thank Show you. hosting in 15 years. I, from your lips to God's ears, that would be awesome. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, thank you very much for having me. This has been awesome. It's been good catching up. Um, and we'll be talking soon. All right. Take care. So that is the one and only rap sheet. And that is a wrap for this episode. Thank you so much for listening, guys. I hope you have a wonderful weekend. And we'll talk again soon.